You're listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, uh, it's very random. Do you watch Westworld? There's... I watched it last, I finished it last month. Oh, shit. Okay. This is perfect. Because you know, I'm more music based. So when somebody tells me, no, stop what you're doing, <laughs> watch this now from beginning to end. And I don't want to talk to you until <laughs> afterwards. That's, that was the wire for me for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, um, RIP. Yeah, man. He, that was that was major. That, that still is major. Um, but um, he they made me watch it two years ago and it came out, what, in the early 2000s? What's that? Oh, The Wire? The wire? Yeah, yeah. And they were like, bro, how have you not seen any? You don't know Omar <laughs> the character at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I no. hear like the whistling that people do. I know, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, I, you know, I get the quotes and, and, you know, in context of what you're saying. But, yeah. but man, when I finally saw The Wire, it was like a light bulb. Like I understood everything everybody was talking about for 20 years. Right. Like. That's what Kenny was talking about. <laughs> That's what Sean was saying. She starts lighting up all yeah, their minds. I have to pause it and then call the people and apologize. Like, man, this is this is a masterpiece. I let so, you down. Same thing with Westworld. I, I was like, this is masterful. And my yeah. first instinct right around season two, I was like, I don't know how to go in this. Right. I'm, this is I'm halfway through season three right now. Ooh, so I'm like, let me shut up yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason why I'm bringing that up is, is, is because what you talked about is the, uh, you know, the whole concept of they're collecting data and right. stuff by the users. It's like I think about that like a podcast. It's Absolutely. like you're the, 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 me. I'm the I'm the uh, the control. <laughs> and so people will get a better idea. But yeah, yeah. But I, that's why I like it. It's it's a personable experience you know it's not just media commercialized and divvied up and handed to you on a slab it's more it's more finesse it's more uh raw and organic like absolutely i think everybody prefers something natural and i think this is like the most natural form of like media to know that nowadays podcast is so popular that you can find the most obscure subject matter yeah and there's 15 versions of people yeah. on that same so you're like okay women that's in the squids <laughs> oh crap wow <laughs> three hours with with such and such and dave Chappelle. all right let's go <laughs> you know <laughs> that's my favorite thing is to find a crazy podcast and then they and have you know the formula one racer yeah, you know, champion it's like, it's like oh i love cheese like, <laughs> what? a cheese podcast all right but to each their own man yeah and it works so, yeah but yeah, yeah. I, I applaud i applaud it now because it took me a while to get into it uh number one once again once again music takes up all my life but somebody said hey bro have you ever wanted to see an interview of your favorite artist more than mm. five minutes yeah at a time yeah. now think about all the interviews you've seen of your favorite artists over the years yeah it still won't end up being the amount of time that yeah. a podcast can give. And if you're thinking about like breakfast club interviews, stuff yeah. like that, where sometimes they're tired, you know, they get yeah. there like six in the morning. Yes. Like, yeah, man. Yeah. We're really trying, you know, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, we did that in 2000, what? Uh, <laughs> then they're talking to their PR people like, what yeah, was that, that thing one. again? Yeah, 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 that thing. Yeah, put some respect <laughs> on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, <laughs> but, but it's so true. It's such a glimpse into the real person, you yeah. know? That's why it's so cool about like, I love Quest Loves. Uh, uh, I'm gonna dive gosh. into his. I'm, I've, I've been scared to because of, Time, time is like suck it up. Especially now um, <laughs> that I'm, I've gotten dived in. This is my first year into production. Oh, okay. Um, Were you? Did you do production for Try More Mojo? At well, all? No. we're all collectively producing songs. Gotcha. So okay. like everybody brings something to the table. Nice. But um, but as far as my own, yeah, brainchild stuff straight out the brain, and then you hear it. Yeah. I've never done that before. Oh, I don't okay. know if it was fear. I don't know if it was because I know I'm so I'm so deep in the music industry that I know people that do it as experts, mm. not at the beginner level. I know people that's been doing it for years, and I'm like, I will never step in that realm. Right? <laughs> you know, common. it's intimidating, and then they have to to know that they have competitors that they, you know, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> no, 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 no. And but it's, it was the same thing with drummer. And once once my favorite drummer, which is my mentor. Uh, once he said, um, well, how did you get into drumming? I'm like, well, it, it lit up and I just couldn't not take my eyes off of it. I couldn't, mm -hmm. and then I couldn't be not around the drummer. And then I could not, not be behind the drummer watching what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Never hadn't touched the drums. I just mm -hmm. could not, not be around it. Yeah. And he was like, how do you feel about, uh, not mine is an NPC. Okay, I have an NPC. Yeah. So how do you feel about the NPC? I said, I have that same exact feeling. Mm. I think, well, before I bought it, I said, I think I'm going to have that same exact feeling because I'm catching myself going through rabbit holes. Mm. And I looked at every other machine and every other company. But this one's just, for some reason, it's catching, my, it's catching me all the way through. Mm. And um, that was the beginning of the, my production. And then from that point on, he was like, now go back into all your archives. I know you have them. <laughs> You haven't told anybody, go back in all your archives that you voice recorded mm. and let that be your first production. Mm. And I was like, how did he know I did that? Because you're a true musician. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. Well, um, let's listen to stuff at home. Like, oh yeah, I remember that little lick. And then mind you, being a drummer on an MPC, yeah. it's in, you're in heaven. Right. Because oh, now yeah. you're not, you're not at a drum set and you only have 15 sounds. Now you have every sound yeah. of drums possible. Plus you can distort it. Plus you can reverse it. Plus you can overlay it. Sustain it. You can do whatever. Oh God, I was like, oh, <laughs> they shouldn't have ever made this machine. <laughs> <laughs> and I caught, and I, once again, I, and he caught me in the process. It was like, hey man, quality time, mm. balance, wife, children, life, NPC. <laughs> <laughs> Just get get a balance of all of it. It's going to take some time. But once you find that balance, your wife will appreciate your NPC. Your mm. kids will appreciate the time you take with them off the NPC. Mm. Um, you know, so it just you're, they'll appreciate when you're gone on tour mm. and when you come back and you actually give them time more than going straight back to the NPC. Yeah. So is so, so pick and choose your times and battles. And being a musician, we have a, a super we have a superpower. We could we stay up all night <laughs> and our ideas hit at like one o'clock in the morning. Mm. So 
everybody, give everybody their time while they're up. And then yeah. the moment they sleep, your brain lights up. Mm. That's when you take the time and just let it all out. Yeah. So my wife wakes up, wakes up to a lot of mess. She's like, you made how many songs last night? <laughs> wait, wait, when a span of what time? When? I, I was up, we we ate and I dozed off and I'm up and now you got seven songs? Like, yeah. Oh man, I mean, I, I see you though, man, on Instagram, man. You're always going at it. Oh man. It's inspiring, I, brother. I literally made, just made a TikTok. Well, in the process of the bare bones of a TikTok, and I do mean like putting my name and <laughs> the photo, <laughs> yeah, that type of thing. <laughs> I literally just did that uh, today, nice. but I won't start it until I, I ordered some speakers mm. that's coming in. Now I got to be careful when I do that because I'm on headphones when I'm my NPC, I'm in my own world. Mm. Now I got to pick and I got to find a perfect time frame to play it, record it. And, you know, get the good 30 to 40 seconds out to put it on TikTok and to put it on Instagram to show people, oh, no, he's serious about this production. Yeah. yeah. So and I noticed that I watched all of my favorite new producers and older producers um, that have come into this world now. Mm. And they're using Instagram and and TikTok for more than one reason. It, number one, it, it advertises that they're still active. Yeah. Uh, number two, it shows their that they're versatile. So they'll might make a house song, they make a hip hop song, they make right. a, a children's song. Yeah. Just, it just now it's now you're appealing to TV. They mm. oh, you got a child song. Well, PBS was looking for a child song. Mm. You can get placement now. Right. Just that quick. Yeah. One of my um um guys that I listen to the most uh lately is from the Soul Councils. That's with Ninth Wonder. That's uh, but his name is Crisis. Okay. And he started doing this 30 second clip. He just sitting there and you could tell he's just into his own beat. And this one particular beat just caught fire. Now, mind you, he oh, really? made a hundred of them beforehand. Yeah. But this one particular beat caught fire on the internet mm. for an hour, one hour. And Busta Rhymes says, hey man, I know y'all all heard this song before. Plays it in his studio. Mind you, he what? just finished <laughs> he just finished um, you know, ELE two, the last album he just did. Yeah, classic album. Uh, well, let me let me re, let me rephrase that. Uh, approaching classic, classic <laughs> has to stand. So it's it has the feel of a classic album. Yeah, I should say it like that. But um, he had just finished this, so you're thinking he should be relaxing. He shouldn't. No, no, no. He heard this beat and he was like, He's I, know on he, it. I know y'all heard this beat and he played it. <laughs> And he said, and he turned it up. He said, but it's mine now. Oh. And then he added crisis right then and there. And I, don't, wow. and I don't know how much money it was that he gave him, but he said, I don't care if it don't come out for three years. It's, my, it's mine. So here's the amount of money wow. to make people not want it no more. Yeah. That type of thing. <laughs> so once I, you know, and I've seen more examples like that yeah. often. And yeah. I was like, but the trick is, the producer gets to put it on, and if it catches fire that way, it, it's monetized. Right. Goes on YouTube, it's monetized. People still, you know, kind of play it and whatever the case may be. And then when the artist either rents it or buys it, it's monetized again. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, I've been on the wrong side of the game. <laughs> I've been drumming for a couple of hundred. You mean to tell me? Wow. So. 
Yeah. It just gave me another side of me that I didn't know was there. Yeah. And I, the ironically, I give that uh, credit to the, the pandemic as well, uh, hey. because <clears throat> once again, talking to my mentor, Robert Sputsy Wright, if you don't know who he is, woo, man, I just I, I just I don't know what to tell you. It's just, just Google Sput. You don't even have to put in his whole name. <laughs> just Google Sput and everything comes up. And you're like, I didn't know he did that. I didn't know he did that. I didn't do it. Yeah. Well, he's one of my dear, dear friends from Dallas. Oh, and spell it for the listeners. Oh, we're so. on. I didn't know he was on. Oh, uh, yeah. Robert Sput C. Wright. Now it's S-P-U-T. Um, Sput is um, probably con- one of the... Con- one of the pillars of the music scene in DFW. I can't even just say Dallas, just DFW, Mm. let alone the world, because he's influenced so many people. He's a multi-instrumentalist. His mother created the group God's Property that he was in. So Mm. all the major players that's in the Deep Ellum scene, RC and the Grits, um, uh, the Funky Knuckles, all of them them come from that same school, Mm. in that same pool. Oh, wow. And so you're looking at Kirk Franklin, God's Property, probably the most popular, mm. you know, to get, you know, and to cross yeah. over into even playing on R&B radio and, and stuff like that. Um, but he was in he was in that group. Snoop's first uh, live band, the Snoopadelics. He's in that. He was in that. Oh, wow. Group. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, man, what else? I mean, it's, just, it's so much snarky puppy. Right. Yeah. He is. Probably one of the rooted members in Snarky Puppy. Oh, yeah. Um, outside of like the first two albums that they originally had uh, another drummer that moved to Japan. Mm. Um, but that's what he was on keys before then and oh, switched really? over. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He, well, I tell you, he's a most man. If you hear him on keys, you would not believe it. <laughs> it's just it's weird seeing to me because I'm so used to seeing him as a drummer. Yeah. So it's still weird to see him behind keys and just... Just being the and and then musical directing, mm. he is the king of musical directing. He's got instructional um, uh, videos out, um, and it teaches how to direct from the drum kit. Mm. Being you as a leader, yeah. how do you with four limbs? How do you tell everybody what to do? Yeah. So he teaches you how to do that. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, going back to that guy. Oh, and keep God. I keep going a little bit. Um, Kendrick Lamar's uh, To Pimp a Butterfly album. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he has yeah, he's got something in that, that too. Yeah. Um, all the Vic Firth and Zildjian um, um, live music. He's the musical director of all of that. Oh, really? Whoa. All of that. So he is literally taking the idea from a drummer and uh, seeing how you play and yeah. seeing how you can construct yeah. goes in composes a song for you for 12 people because he does it you know yeah. for every, once every month did it for three years straight wow i was like bro when do you breathe <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's, awesome. that's the guy during the pandemic um he asked me the very uh strong question and it was um what else are you doing mm. and i was like Oh, man, you know, well, I'm just kind of chilling around the house, trying to make sure things done, this and that. You know, he was like, no, what else are you doing musically to keep yourself sane? I know Mm. as a musician, you have to do something. So what are you doing? And he was like, well, I 
is the right answer to say nothing? And he was like, well, tell you what, can you send me something of you just grooving? Mm. And I was like, uh, no, because I'm in an apartment and it's too loud for everybody. If I pull out the drums, he was like, okay, okay. Do you have an electric drum set? I'm like, um, no. He said, you have a sample pad that's ready? I'm like, no. He was like, so you don't have an NPC or a machine or a TR-808, anything like that? I'm like, no. He was like, Uh-oh. call me back. That was- That was it? That was the Call me back. And I tried to call him back for about two weeks. He would not answer the phone. And I was like, within that time frame, I'm like, oh, and it just hit me like, oh crap, I'm just the drummer. That's what he was trying to tell me. Mm. I am just a drummer. Mm. Not only are drummers the most replaceable in any band, mm. but you are now in a pandemic. This has never happened Ooh. in the in the yeah. time of music. Time to get Usually music heals everything. Like when AIDS came around, mm. you had music about AIDS. When you know you had you had heal the world. You had um, what's the name of that concert for Bangladesh? You had everything. You had um, make the world a better place for you and me and. Uh, you had all these songs whenever 9-11 happened, you know, right, you had a, yeah. you, but this was the first time ever <laughs> that music could not save the day. Yeah. Even when all the celebrities sang Imagine, it, it just, <laughs> which was so terrible. Yeah. It's a terrible idea to begin with. Sorry. So, yeah. <laughs> so it was just one of those times he was like, this has never happened in history. Yeah. This is the time you take, you should have stuff on the shelf that you wasn't finished yet mm. and finish. He said, I'm halfway done with stuff on the shelf that I had been shelving for years. Mm. And I'm making more money now yeah, yeah. than I was when I was on the road. Yeah. And, and once I got that, I was like, man, I'm just a drummer. Mm. And I took the, at the time was half of my rent money. <laughs> and <laughs> Investment. Told my wife that exactly what I was doing. She she, she called me crazy for a second, um, but then she was like, "Well, baby, if that's what you really want to do, I'm gonna support it because I've seen what you've done with less." Mm, that's awesome. So, hey man, I was like, "Cool, that's how you do it, man." Yeah, that's awesome though, man. So I did it. Got into the NPC. Everybody told me the learning curve was going to be the worst. Mm. Oh yeah, learn, learn that. Learn. Have you ever messed with like an eight oh eight or like never? Like, oh, yeah. yeah, not yeah, a yeah. machine. I'm usually the person drumming for them to sample. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then they get it in the machine like, thank you, bro. Here's two hundred dollars. Here's X amount of money that you know whatever they yeah. want. Yeah, I did my job. <laughs> I didn't know that. And then I, now I understand when when an engineer and a producer is in the room not to practice on the drum set while the engineer is there. And it's not a bad thing and it's not a good thing. It's just a gray area. That's like an etiquette thing kind of. It's a gray area because what they're going to do is hit record. And whatever you do. Oh, yeah. It's there. Oh, yeah. And you can't claim it once you're not there. You. Or you can go as, hey, that's my, that sounds like me on the drums, but nah, can't be. Mm. And then you find out what, then you look in the credits and find out what studio. I'm like, 
I was in that studio around this time. Mm, oh, dang. And you just, it starts, all yeah. the pieces start coming together. And then by that time, the engineers moved on. Right. That person's in California. He's a platinum artist, blah, 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 the case may be. So you can't, yeah. now you look like an idiot trying to prove that you made the drums on Lady Gaga album. <laughs> yeah. You just, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Like, like, no, that was me. And they're like, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay Show me a picture with Yeah. Gaga. <laughs> I'm like, no, for real. I was in the same studio. A lot of people was in that studio, bro. So you just look like an idiot. Mm. So um, that now is more apparent. Now I get it. Okay, not to practice when the engineer or when the producer's in the room unless you know that's what's going on yeah if you know that's what's going on hey look i'm about to warm up hit the record button for me and we'll catch any magic that's out of it yeah but um yeah uh, sorry i went on that no man that's what it's all about (laughs) that's what it's all about but that's awesome though talking about musical evolution yeah yeah to to just from being a drum just a drummer to now i'm an actual i have placements an artist and hopefully I'm working on another one for a commercial. Oh, really? Yeah. And they just sent me something to say, hey, we want something that sounds like somebody's running away from somebody. Okay. <laughs> so I sent them three tracks and this is the first one. Yes. Nice. Like, oh. And I was like, is that a yes? You're going to use it? It's like, yes, it is up to debate for us to talk to. And they would not tell me what the the you big sweat. thing was, yeah. but it said, just keep your eyes open. Hmm. Cause when it happens, literally about an hour or so before it happens, we're going to call you and get your account number. Oh, wow. So I'm like, Oh mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but sweet um, man. Yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. much it in a nutshell on that one. But yeah, man, I, I, I mean it, man. Like uh, every day <laughs> I see you on Instagram and it keeps me going. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm like, yeah, dude, Med's got that going on. He's like, I need to fucking jump on my guitar. What am I doing? <laughs> but oh, yeah, like, but I'm in the same world, man. Cause I I, I went to school for uh, audio video productions for about like almost six years. Uh-huh. And in my last two years, I just had like really lackluster professors who kind of got burnt out on the industry or they had bad experiences and just yeah. told a lot of ghost stories and freaked me out. And, you know, I don't come for money. So I was like, oh shit, yeah. like, I, I gotta have money, like at least to pay the rent, you know, mm-hmm. just to not freak out. And uh, so I switched to marketing and I've been, I've been selling signs for the last like six years. And uh, when COVID happened, you know, half of our market tanked yeah, out, buddy. had a lot of free time and uh, just started realizing like, man, what, you know, I've been a musician for the last like five years, just mm-hmm. just casually uh, with a bunch of different jam bands. And I, I just realized like when I'm at work, my favorite conversations are about music. <laughs> when I'm at home and I'm hanging out, it's like I default to find some damn music, you know, or when, when I'm with a friend and they're a musician, I'm like, hey, man, you just want to jam for a yeah, little bit? Always, I'm like, man, yeah. it's, just the, it's just the immediate, you know, I just, ah, I, I, I lean into it so hard and I didn't even realize it. Yeah. And then uh, when COVID happened, I was like, man, you know what? I podcasts weren't a thing when I was in high school, when I was going to this, they were like, they were new. It was like, why is, you know, uh, I mean, you know, there was like the big ones like NPR and like Joe Rogan was just starting to get a little bit of something. What's what's the name of that one that comes on? um, It's very educational and they got about five to eight minutes. Oh, the history one? The TED Talks. Oh, the TED Talks. So the TED Talks really helped the podcasting game. Big time. And I didn't realize it. And I was like, wow. You know, I knew people were already doing it, but didn't have a name for it. Right. But when the TED Talk started happening on YouTube, like people were like, we can expand this. Yeah. And now we it's not instead. Once again, it's not going to be one sided. Let's let it be 
yeah. back and forth. Open, yeah. Wide open. And so then, of course, my other indulging podcast uh, is Drink Champs from uh-huh. um, Noriega. Capone Noriega is a, a hip-hop legendary group from Queens. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but Noriega kind of slightly retired from rapping, but everybody knew he was a great manipulator in getting you to say things that you usually don't tell the public. Oh. <laughs> so he was like, well, shoot, I'm going to call talk, do this thing called Drink Champs. Will we get you on? Here's a drink. Here's a drink. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> and uh, I think I'm pretty sure the idea he got that from was the, I think they did the hot, with, hot wings thing. Oh, yeah, the hot ones. Yeah, so yeah. they literally right after that. Nice. Like he spent off and it's now one of the number one uh, hip hop podcast nice. in the world. Um, I think I've seen the, I, I've never clicked it though. I've seen it. It's very worth it, especially for an artist. Like if you look for somebody like Busta Rhymes, mm. Nas, um, somebody just like that you really wanted to dive into. Yeah. It gets really, T-Pain's was really, really good too. Oh, cool. Um, and cause he gives you so much behind the curtains yeah. stuff that most people don't know. And then as he was getting drunk, it was more truth. Mm. And it wasn't like he didn't want to say it. He was like, I would have never said this before, mm. but I'm comfortable now. So let's go. Mm. So he just kept going and kept going and kept going. So um, bust out the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's cool. Yeah, I need to check that out. Yeah. I just remembered that, uh, you know, we brought up the Questlove one. Yes. I love it when he interviews drummers. You know, he, he jumps oh, around. Oh, man, yes. But when he interviews drummers, those are my favorite ones. Like when he interviewed uh, uh, John Dinsmore, the oh, Doors drummer. I heard about that, that one. That one was really I'm cool. Have to, I'm going to have to get into that one. Because I was like, man, Dinsmore's still around. He's, <laughs> man, he's still vibrant as hell, too. It's just awesome. Just it, this, this. It's, it's some drummers that just, they have a they have this this it factor. And no matter how old they get, um, there's this still, they have the same feeling behind a drum set that nobody mm. else can uh, duplicate. Yeah. Uh, people have tried and people get real, real close, but you know when such and such is on the drums. Yeah. And um proud to say I, I know a lot of those guys personally, um, especially in Dallas, obviously, but um, just worldwide, getting to know them. Instagram helped me a lot with that. Mm. Um, I was afraid to go into a lot of people's direct messages until I watched a superstar friend direct messages, another superstar friend, and then they made an album. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It's been right there this whole time. Yeah. And then like T-Pain, I don't know if you saw his, T-Pain had never checked his uh, direct messages on Twitter. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. And he's like, how how much shit did I miss out? And he does the stuff that came across every... (laughs) I forgot about that. Wasn't that recently? Yes, that was very... Cause he was just, he was just <laughs> not into it. Yeah. Just, um, yeah. <clears throat> he was like, I'm a studio rat. I don't have time to be yeah. on Twitter and this and that. I, and I don't advertise who I'm doing stuff with until mm. the song comes out. Yeah. So that's what makes, that was, that's what made him such a mystery to a lot of people and made mm. the hits even hit harder. Mm. Cause like T-Pain and who? T-Pain and what? You know, yeah. but if he was on Instagram telling you before it came out, then you'd be like, oh, I knew it was coming. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. But um, yeah, so I can't wait to dive into to Quest Loves uh, and Dave Chappelle's as well because oh, it yeah. has Talib Kweli on it. Oh yeah, um, and Talib has another one that oh, I watch. Yes, oh man, that 
is a gorgeous, I have to say a gorgeous uh, podcast because it's him interviewing um, not just hip hop artists, even though it's geared that way, um, but it's interviewing people that influence the culture. Mm. And no matter what creed or what genre you came from, if you influence the culture, you're on that podcast. And it's the way he just runs it is just gorgeous. That's all. I love Tully, man. That'd be that'd be a cool show. I need to check that out. Yeah, I man. didn't know he had a show. Yeah. But this, he's what I'm talking about. There's <laughs> so much stuff. It just keeps going and going. Like what you yeah. said, the octopus ladies. There's probably 18 <laughs> podcasts about that. That's crazy. Yeah. Tyler's neighbor probably has a, a podcast about him. You know, and you never know. He's like, <laughs> like I, you have what? He's like, yeah, we just made one called Talib downstairs. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, so you said you're currently working on your solo stuff. Is that the main? Yes, I actually. Um, it's uh, it, my name, Meds that I, that has been adopted as my nickname. Um, I named it. M dot E dot D dot Z dot to make people try to figure out mm, what meds meant. Is. But it's an, it's an, it's a blank acronym. Yeah. It's purposely a blank acronym. Mm. So people was like, oh, music, intelligence, drones, and what the Z for? What is the Z about? Zoology. You know, so <laughs> zoologist, he's a zoologist? Wow. And you know, hey, so, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I wanted that because I like bringing mystery uh, like when you bought somebody's CD back in the 90s, when you opened it up, you didn't know all you was getting. Oh, you didn't know yeah. the features when you turned over. You only learned the features when you opened it up. Yeah. Get the nice poster. <laughs> right. Or... You learned who's on drums. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, yeah. Such and such is on keys. Oh, yeah. you, don't, you don't get that anymore. And I miss that. So I wanted to bring just that little bit of touch to it, mm. just with the name, naming the album M.E.D.Z. And that way people try to figure it out. But with all that being said, um, the album, the way it's being constructed so far is I wanted it to be a template for myself to let everybody know I don't do just one thing. Mm. So there'll be a rock song on it. There'll be an R&B song on it. There'll be obviously some hip hop on it. <laughs> um, but there are certain things I do. A lot of people don't know that I've done back in the days. For instance, I'm a lyricist. A lot of people don't know that was my before drum. Well, I'm going to say right as drums became my thing. Mm -hmm. Lyricism was right bar for bar right oh, there. Okay. And um, when, when I used to live in New York, Jamaica, Queens, um, I was raised literally watching hip hop develop because mm. hip hop is only three and a half, maybe four years older than me. Mm. So I, I watched it develop. Well, you heard, hey, did you hear that Cold Crush Crew is, you know, on such and such block? We'd yeah. run to the block. Mm. And it's this big situation happening yeah and it was called the get down yeah and you got to see graffiti writers you got to see break dancers. you got yeah. to see you got to hear the music loud they're using power from the pole that <laughs> lights up the street yeah. to make the block party happen. i mean it's, it's that stuff you can't i get goosebumps speaking about that um it's a strong community it's a very strong community so i grew up as that being part of my main culture and I got to see every type of person come together. And then when I learned the principles of hip hop uh, through just, yeah, and with, without even knowing what the principles of hip hop was, I was already 
or is already in doing it, which the four principles of hip hop is peace, love, unity, and having fun. Yeah. So, and if you're not doing those four things, then you're not, you're, per, you're perpetrating the culture. Mm. You're not part of the culture. You're not in it, yeah. And I always tell people when, when I talk to, when I'm, cause I mentor a couple of hip hop artists coming up. Okay. And they, you know, trying to get history without diving into books and diving mm. into, you know, YouTube, they'll call me, Medric, you said such and such, such and such, what does this mean? And then I just kind of give them the brief and, then I give them the backstory and, and um, when they want to go deeper, like, okay, I think it's something deeper than that. What is it? And then I go deep and they go, wow. Mm. Okay. I understand why you people used to say this. I understand why things happen like this. Mm. Um, so, but with the album, I wanted that same kind of feeling. I wanted to make people realize that I do more than one thing. Yeah. Um, that yes, I am extreme advocate for hip hop culture. However, I love rock music. However, I was a big techno fan. Mm. However, <laughs> I love comedy. You know, comedy infused like the Bismarcky type of thing, yeah. another rest in peace situation mm. um, where he infused comedy and hip hop. Yeah. Um, I love that factor. So multifaceted and dynamic. Right. And spoken word. I was in the spoken word world for about four or five years deep. Um, and I used I challenged myself to take my battle rap lyrics and put them in the spoken word world. Mm. And once I got that down, then I, I literally became one with what, what I was saying nice. instead of just being blurting words out. Yeah. Now I'm absolutely one with what I'm saying. And once that happened, even my friends that were wrapped around me at the time was like, dude, you're on a whole nother plane now. <laughs> what is going on? What did happen? I'm like, I just, I wanted to get sharper. I wanted to get better outside of my peers, yeah. outside of being around, because I couldn't be around, I couldn't go out when now hip hop is popular, now it's at night. Because mm. when hip hop wasn't like the mainstream, it yeah. was in the daytime. Mm. Yeah. So I can go out after school, I know exactly where I'm going, mm. you know, um, but now it's in the clubs. Yeah. I can't get in the clubs. Mm. So I got to find a way to, so then they was like, hey, were you, there's a spoken word thing that's happened, you know, like at six, at six to seven or something like that. Okay, I'm going there. I'm gonna sharpen my skills through those ways. Yeah. So, so lyricism was a big situation. Drumming was right there next to it. Um, <clears throat> I didn't know drumming, hip hop, and this is why I give so much credit to hip hop. Um, hip hop is the reason why I'm so multi-cultural uh, when it comes to genres of music mm. because of the sampling. Yeah. I didn't know that I'm playing James Brown stuff. Right. I didn't know I was playing Count Basie stuff. Yeah. I didn't know I was learning Herbie Hancock stuff. Right. I'm just playing it. Yeah. I didn't know Bob James was dun 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 I didn't know that was Nautilus. Yeah. Until somebody was like, you heard the Bob James joint? I'm like, who's what? Bob James? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh man, you gotta find out who Bob James is. And they let me hear it. I'm like, oh, that's that's Eric B and Rakim's song. I'm like, nah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but it is. I'm like, nah. So the sampling at the time helped me because I'm learning the drums. Yeah. And I'm playing the drums and the, the way I ultimately learned how to like lock into drums was I had the TV in front of me. Mm. When I had two hours before my mom came home from school, I would put the drums together, 
and watch Video Music Box and uh, watch Ralph McDaniels in New York and just just drum to anything that came on TV. So Special Ed's um, I Got It Made came on. So I learned how to play that. Now, mind you, the beat never changes. So in rock music and stuff, you got fills, you got stuff like that. Yeah. In hip hop, the beat doesn't yeah. change. So I learned, I literally learned how to keep tempo. I learned how to play the beat the right way. I learned how to uh, focus on making sure that if there is a breakdown or if there's a certain part where you need to hear what the lyricist is saying, yeah. I need to come down a little bit. Yeah. So all I needed was a kick, snare, and hi-hat. I didn't have to set up the whole drum set. I didn't know that was setting me up to my, my what a lot of people consider like pocket right yeah i didn't know what pocket was so mm. when i played for somebody they were like bro your pocket is just ridiculous man killing it how are you <laughs> how do you i mean it's your timing you're this and you're like it's not like you're on beat it's like you're slightly before it or slightly after but it's just you're, you're right there how do you do that i'm like i have no idea <laughs> and then of course um i get into gospel music through my, my mother taking me to church, which is the first place I saw drums, live drums. And that's yeah. when I knew I was gonna be a drummer at that time. So, but- yeah. You and see cut from the same cloth. <laughs> <laughs> so- Same thing. But you see, me and him have the same thing too, because I, I came up from the church too. Like my my, yeah. my dad was a soundboard tech and one day he's like, hey, can you do this? I and then he walks out the door. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. this is the game, you need to keep this level, this is how you isolate. And they're like, oh, okay. Good luck. Like, the exact oh, okay. same thing happened to me. My <laughs> my uh, first drummer teacher outside of the TV was a guy named Michael. And I thought he was the best drummer I've ever seen in the world. Of course, I'd never really watched drummers. So sure. to me, he was the best drummer in the world. Yeah. And at the time, there was no recorders. There's It was too expensive to buy a video camera. Mm, yeah. um, so I had to memorize yeah. stand, sitting and standing over him, watching what he does while church is happening, paying attention to nothing else. Yeah. Just him on drums. And two years passed by. I did that. Never touched the drums. Oh, asked, wow. He'd ask me, you want to touch? No, 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 no. No, I don't. I felt like I didn't deserve it. Like, I don't deserve to be. No, I just want to watch. Yeah. And one day he purposely did not show up. <laughs> and they were like, you know, the good thing about <laughs> churches is they're very encouraging, yeah. especially musicians to musicians. Yeah. So all of them was like, no, little man, you got it. You got it. Go ahead and get on them drums. <laughs> I was way off beat. They all going yelling like, yeah, man, that's how you do it. That's how it's done. <laughs> so I got off after I'm thinking I'm messing up. By the end of the song, I felt like Superman. Mm. And I was like, I got to do this again. Yeah. And they were like, you ready? I was like, yeah. So I got on the next day. So now he's back. So now I'm doing one song of service nice. for about six months. Then there was two songs. Then he would only let me do the slow songs. Mm. And I was like, why is he let, man, me getting all to play all the funky, all the hip stuff, making everybody dance. And I got to play all the slow stuff. What he was setting me up for was being more musical drummer. Yeah. Cause more versatile, much more versatile, much more. You're, you're aware of the band now. Right. Yeah. When you're playing slow songs. Right. You're aware of the dynamics of the song yeah. when you're playing slow songs. So when you accurate. do get up to fast songs and you use them same dynamics, you sound much more, much fuller. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Obviously, I didn't know that then. Ten years afterwards, I was like, oh, he set me up. I'm going to have to call him and let him know he got me. So <laughs> I don't play slow stuff, man. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I was super mad at him for a long time. I'm like, man, I'm ready to curse him out in church. 
And I was like, bro, why, why would you, why would you like tell me he'd be sweating when he get off? He's like, here you go. Here, man, slow it down. Yeah. Way he down. Got, no, he wouldn't tell me what the next song was. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm hype. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting ready to play this. And they're like. Amazing. Like, damn it. He got me. Um, and they're laughing, but they knew what he was doing because apparently the drummer before him did the exact same um, thing to him. Yeah. So it became a cycle. And I did that right before I left that church. There was a young kid, Big he was guy. 10, and he could not keep his eyes off me. His mom was getting so upset that he wouldn't pay attention in, in church. Oh, yeah. And then I, after church, I went to her and I was like, hey, can I just one time just have him behind me? And she was like, you sure you want? He's just, he's unruly. He doesn't stay still. I'm like, just one time, just let me have him yeah. behind me. And when he got behind me, he calmed down. So all this was the beginning stages of their, them prescribing ADD and oh, ADHD. Wow. And we didn't know what it was or we didn't have a, a term for term, it. Yeah. So he is now calming down. She said, baby, I don't know what you did to this kid in three weeks, but his grades went up. He's conversational. Whoa. Uh, he does. He comes out of his room to, you know, to engage. In, yeah, yeah. It's like he needed an outlet. And then once he got into junior high, then he was the most popular kid in school. Oh, shit. <laughs> he did track. He did music. He did this. He got the girls. He got blah, blah, blah. He's beautiful going out. And now he calls me like every year just say man thank you wow. for telling to for making my mother come make me come behind the drum set he said well, I, I truly believe without that day i would have been a completely different person mm. so thank you i i he had got off medication they wow. i mean because they were just giving the medication ready, yeah. out because they were trying to get it all funded through the fda at the time oh shit wow so they were just giving it out like candy to, yeah. to kids like oh he we think he has adhd well, I'm so sure the parents just want a solution you know and wow. all they all they saw was their kid coming down they didn't see their kids becoming zombies yeah now has some people lived off that and become better people absolutely yeah but every brain is different sure so it for the most part it wasn't happening to a lot of people yeah. um but that's wonderful that yeah. was that that let me know okay music is seriously powerful Ooh. so with hip-hop well hip-hop and gospel those two entities uh made me a better drummer the encouragement from gospel to keep going yeah whenever i thought i was failing Mm. And then hip hop music on me watching it on TV and just getting it straight, not worrying about any other thing on yeah. the drums, just making sure the beat was as, as so tight yeah. that I couldn't hear it on the TV. Oh, yeah. I wanted, it out. I wanted it that Ooh. tight. So um, and that I did that till I was from 11 till I was 16. Nice. And then I had my first major gig at 16 years old. Oh, yeah. And that was a catastrophe. <laughs> Not because I didn't play well, but my my mother, uh, rest her soul now, um, uh, she was so happy for me that she she was a chef. Mm. So she made, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen them commercials where they have cereal and they said part of it is complete breakfast and they pan out. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. show you every Just breakfast thing. Ever. Yeah. Well, my mom made that breakfast. <laughs> And she was like, eat anything you feel like. You're about to have a good day. And I'm my first major gig. I'm about to play in, three, in front of 3,000 people for the state choir, mm. for the Louisiana State Choir at UNO, UNO Lakefront Arena. I'll never forget it. 
Um, and I'm happy. I'm happy. My favorite drummer is letting me play the first two songs. I'm like, oh, this is it. I'm, I'm great. Lift up. So, so I eat, I eat, I eat, I eat, eat. I get up, I play, I get through half of the song. And I, all I remember was hearing the thump of my head. I fell back. Hospital. So I'm, I wake up, I'm in, um, I'm in the ambulance. All I hear is the, you know, the siren and the bishop, uh, the assistant bishop at the time was, um, he said, are you okay, son? I'm like, what happened? Oh man, my head hurts. He was like, yeah, you, you fell straight back, like head first. And I was like, what, how did the song come out? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay he was that, like that's that you're a true musician because the music was above your own yes. house at that point <laughs> i was like did i sound did good I? how did the music come out he was like no relax <laughs> relax so i get you know i get to the hospital nobody figures out what's going on it took the nurse to come in and just i think she had casual conversation with me she was like so what did you do before you played drums? She was like, oh, I was like, oh, my mom made this breakfast. It was huge. And she was like, tell me more. And she just kept checking off boxes in front of me. She was like, mm, I'll be right back. They took another blood test and the doctor ran and he was like, I'm amazed you're alive. Your blood pressure was straight through the roof. Oh, crap. And I'm like, Seriously? He was like, yeah. He said, nah, I'm going to do, go do some history on your parents real quick. It took him about an hour. But when he came back, he was like, yeah, you have high blood pressure and diabetes on one side, high blood pressure and something else, strokes on the other side. Mm. The common denominator is high blood pressure. <sighs> it's in your blood, bro. You, you are the only one that can stop that. I'm like, well, how can I stop it? He was like, well, you got to stop eating pork. Oh, you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely crazy. This is my favorite thing to eat besides seafood. You're mm. crazy. He was like, I can help you stop eating pork real quick. Oh, no. I'm not going to say it on, on here. <laughs> but he, what he did, and right afterwards, I was like, I'll never, ever eat pork again. He was like, do me a favor, only spread this knowledge to somebody that really needs to get off pork or really wants to. Like they gotta have, you gotta see it in their eyes. Like it's it's gonna kill them if they don't get off. Then you, then you do and tell them and you do this for them and that will stop it. And I was like, okay, cool. So I've only done it twice in my life for somebody else and it does work. It gets people all all the way off of it. And you don't realize how much um, pork is the, out of all the meats, it's the hardest to digest in our body. And it brings you down. So when we get what we call the itis, most, right. most of the time it's attributed to either eating too much or whatever you ate is so hard for your body to process yeah. that your brain is like, we're going we to shut it off. Yeah. So while you're asleep, we can work in, we can work through this. Yeah. But, um, that, that ultimately, um, my first big gig. Dang. And that happened. I got, <laughs> I got but again, the, the health came out after that. Hey, so um, I got my other shot again. It wasn't as big, but it, it still it still helped. So that that was a very <laughs> memorable day. Oh, I'm sure. So it's like uh, 
lift off and like awareness and like, oh, yeah. there's some problems yeah. with the rocket, but we'll figure it out. We'll be fine. We're still going up. <laughs> yeah. But man, wow. uh, but yeah, that, I don't know how we got onto that, but yeah, going know. back into the Meds album, <laughs> yeah. that comprise that composition, uh, what I'm trying to make out of the project is to show that I'm various and to show different walks of my life. So there'll be segments where it'll feel like 1988. Nice. My first year of playing drums when I was 11 years old. Um, there'll be times where it's going to feel like the 90s where it's mm. like, oh, that's that 90s R&B, that yeah. old school where you actually felt the music. Um, then there's going to be rock songs. I have uh, my touring band. I have them playing a song on it. Nice. Um, because I wanted to show that's my that's where I am currently. Yeah. Um, and the last song, um, I guess I can go ahead and tell everybody the last song is going to it's going to either be called Dropping Jewels or Gems. And I wanted to do a not a spoken word, but an actual generational philosophy section. Mm. More than like what people do on Instagram and Facebook, they mm-hmm. give these little philosophies. Yeah, it's little. This is, you know, you know, nobody has a heart attack; they have a heart break. And you're like, oh, that was deep. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I wanted to have generational gems like that. Mm. So my, I'm giving, I'm getting my daughter to do her version of it. Oh wow! So she's gonna do these one-liners, these random one-liners of just gems, and then me and my sister, because we're we're pretty much twins me and my sister in california we're going to tag team on doing our generation nice. of gems and then i don't know if you know um mouse quake mouse quake is a uh he's the southern dr dre okay <laughs> mixing mastering production everybody down here knows oh if you want your stuff mastered mixed and mastered like the like the big guys yeah Go to That's the, the guy to call. So he's one of my dear friends. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, for the last verse of this, I need you to drop all those gems that you drop to me all the time. Because he likes st- he'll say something like, you know, um, the axe, the axe will ask you to forgive, but the tree will always remember. Mm. You know, stuff like that. You're like, what? How? <laughs> you know, but in, in comp and, and just and it means so much when he says it. It just like a it's like, oh, wow, man, I felt I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he has so much wisdom in the experience of music. Mm. It's hard to even I try my best not to even talk around him. I just try my best to listen. I want to be a sponge. Yeah. But he gets so much out of me talking back because he's learning from me as well. Mm. So it's always a give and take. But I, I it's always I, I go into in a conversation with him like I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk. It never happens. We always go back and forth, whether it's a disagreement of something that's going on, but he always has a leg up on me on the disagreement because he has so many reasons. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can see it that way now. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, musically, he's usually always right. He's like, man, you, he is one of the first people to tell me, so one of the NPCs said, hey, don't just do one snare. Mm. What you mean? He said, you have the ability in there to uh, stack. Yeah. So stack your sounds. It makes them bigger without making the volume go up. 
Because what will happen is you put one snare in, I got to turn the volume up. Mm. Now your snare sounds super high and everything else sounds yeah. super low. Um, stack your stuff. And mm. now everything is neutral right here, but it sounds louder and crisper than everybody's. Mm. It's like, ooh. Yeah. Jabon is another one that told me that. Jabon is... Um, Erica Badu, one he's Erica Badu is one of her producers. And I'm in a band with him uh, called the Beatitudes, and um, he told me the same thing. Stack. I don't care if that that snare sounds great in your headphones. Stack it, even if it's two of them of the same exact one. Stack it. Hmm. That way you can keep the volume down, but you can keep the clarity, keep the I'm power. Like, oh. huh. All right, cool. Yeah. So, so I was like, so it's kind of like flams on the drums, but yeah. he was like, exactly. He said, so when you hit one drum with one hand in a stadium, it sounds like doom, doom, doom. When you hit it with two, it's like, boom, boom, boom. It's like, yeah. He's like, that's exactly what you're doing with stacking. Now, when you get when you get the mastering of stacking, you take a shaker and put it under the snare. You take a you take a tambourine and put it in, you know on top mm. of the snare. Now you're getting to mastering stacking. Yeah, and I was like, ooh. So when you take a tambourine and make it sound like a kick, <laughs> it's like I mean, there's so many so many different tricks when you're reversing a cymbal and make it the the snare. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh man, it's so For much. Yeah. yeah, he said you make that the snare, and people will ask you, "How did you get that sound?" The uh, the sound of a clap, reversing a clap, you know, or uh, making the arch of a clap in the middle uh, in the beginning instead of the middle. Mm. I was like, "Wait a minute!" But the sound of a clap is in the beginning. He was like, mm -mm. "There's a beginning. There's just before the hands come together." There's an aggregate, and then, and oh. then it happens. I was like, oh, "Oh my god!" Stuff like that, I was just would have never put together. Yeah. But the MPC helps me see it, so now I can see what a clap does. Mm. I can actually see the the waves, mm. and there is waves before the clap and waves after the clap. Yeah. I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> okay, let's go. So those type of things you know uh mouse quake is really good at and i wanted him to be the last that last verse on there to give all these little gems that you just sit back and think of and i made the perfect beat for it it's very lo-fi-ish so you don't get caught up in the beat itself yeah. it's made so you can get caught up in the words yeah and he when i, I let him hear it he was like yeah I can do this. Nice. He said, because if you would have came with some, doof, doof, all right, and then what you have to do in life, and you know, no, 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 it's not going to work like that. He said, you made it so nice and neat. And he said, this is going to be the last song, right? I'm like, yeah, he said, yes, I'm definitely doing it. Nice. So um, I can't awesome, I can't wait to that. I can't wait either. So <laughs> that, pro that project, I'm with The Beatitudes, uh, which is another band um, out of Dallas. Um, uh, they are doing so so many phenomenal things separately and together. John Bourne mm. is uh, the leading member. Big DJ Big Texas, another really really good friend of mine. Um, he um, they have this little thing that they do where John Bourne will have the samples. Mm -hmm. He'll have the drums mm. on vinyl, and he'll loop the drums manually. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and they'll make a song from that point. And then somebody else, um, let me see. It usually was uh, at the time when, when I got into it, Lil J.D. Beck. 
I don't know if you know who he is. (laughs) Another good dear friend from Dallas. Um, He is now playing. I'm going to go at the top. He is now playing and producing with Anderson Pac and Bruno Mars. Oh, shit. Silk Sonic. So, yeah. So that last song they made called Skate. Yeah. That's him and Doomy. Uh, So Doomy Keys uh, moved here from overseas to uh, to pretty much be in the scene, stayed over here and they became like this super production crew. Wow. Just JD Beck plays, I think he plays four or five different instruments as well, but he's known on drums. Mm. He is only maybe 19 now. Oh shit, what? <laughs> so when I met him, he was 12 wow. and he was killing everything on drums. And drums was his second instrument at that time. Wow. And I'm like, okay, this kid. And he was coming out. Nanju, he is so good that Deep Ellum, every bar would let him in. Every bar. And on top of that, because they knew he wouldn't come in there for drinking. Yeah, yeah. They knew he was going straight Straight to the stage. stage. And everybody knew. Um, and on top of that, his conversation as a 12, 13, 14 year old, he sound, he, he, when you start talking to him, he sound like a 20 to 21 year old himself. It's like, Hey, how you doing? Mr. Medrick. My name is JD Beck. I was wondering if I can play your drums today. What? (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) So it started out like that. And then he got on my drums. I'm like, you can stay on those drums. <laughs> I'm not getting back on the drums. How's that? And he was like, oh, man, I'm still learning, man. I'm still learning. I'm like, you still what? He said, who are you learning from? He said, well, his favorite drummers at the time, my mentor, Robert Spott C. Wright. Uh, Cleon is his absolute favorite drummer mm. from here. Uh, Cleon Edwards is Erica Badu's drummer. Yeah. Uh, another dear friend of mine. Um, and Mike Mitchell. Uh, a lot of people know him as Black Dynamite. He is probably the freest drum, the freest drummer on the planet. And when I say that, he can do anything on the drums, mm. and it all sounds perfect because he's practiced so hard and so much that there's almost no wrong anymore. Mm. He's beyond, he's beyond wrong. Yeah, it's it's never a mistake. It's always. I did that and I can do it again. Yeah. I can replicate it. To, and then if, if that was a mistake to myself, I will make this mistake Fix it. a yeah. masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like that little improv part, I didn't yeah. mean, I'll just do it every time. And yeah, now he's, you think it's he's such a master. At, and he, once Man. again, he was another protege. When he was younger, he was nine years old, smoking everybody in the city. Mm. He played with Fred Hammond, I think at 13, 14 years old. Fred Whoa. Hammond is literally one of the biggest gospel people on the planet. Yeah. Um, he played with John B. Keys. He didn't play with, then he goes up and now he's Marcus Miller, and Herbie Hancock. And wow. He, it's just. That's crazy. He's ridiculous. So, but Damn. without, with that, so that's the Beatitudes. That's my own project itself. Um, proudly in Try More Mojo. Love um, it. That story is, uh, that's a really, really good story. Uh, it started with Deep Bellamont Company, the, the venue. Yeah. Uh, it just opened. I'd say, I'm going to say a good month. Um, and I go in just to check out the venue because I'm a big, big connoisseur of, you know, just supporting everything that's going on, especially venues in Deep Ellum. And um, I go in and the moment I get in there, it's like having 
when you go into Walmart and you feel that that yeah. air. Yeah. It felt like that musically. Mm. Just the aesthetics and everything. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did I just step into a Twilight Zone? <laughs> like there's artwork, there's Everywhere. fire breathers, there's hula hoopers, there's music on stage, there's the bars over here, there's a food truck outside, there's more stuff outside, <laughs> there's a DJ outside, yeah. there's painter, body paint, this and that. It's Vendors, like, yeah. this is a festival in yeah. a venue. Yeah. I'm hooked. Yeah. So I got to know the owner a little bit. Um, yeah, I'll be interviewing him in October, actually. John is amazing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to um, it. Him and his wife, they're just they're just both really, really good people. And I wish them nothing but the best for their venue and everything. Yeah, um, I love that venue. Yeah. And, and trust me, everybody, world, everybody that has been to the venue, the big guys and the little guys, if anything happens to that venue, we're, I, I, we've already started doing stuff for the venue, strictly for the venue. Mm. Um, so uh, he never really has to worry, so to speak, community. if he's being supported. Sure, community's got his back. Oh, absolutely, yeah. we'll we'll fight with him yeah. all the way through. through. Yeah, that's awesome. So we, I get in there. They're doing this thing. I think on Mondays it's open mic night thing. Okay, I get on stage because he know he knows me from the city. He don't know who I am, but he knows me. Mm, right. So he's like, yeah, get up on stage, man. Just, you know, you know, just go ahead and play. So I get up there and it's Leland's on keys. I can't remember who was on bass. Uh, Cody's on on. No, no, Cody's on bass. Um, I can't remember who was on guitar at the time. So we're just kind of jamming out. I don't know what song it was. Um, and Leland just keeps looking back <laughs> and he keeps looking back. And then he starts standing up on his keys and he just, now he's excited. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there just playing. I'm just like, yeah, you like that? Cool. All right. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm all right. I don't know what the song is, but all right, let's keep going. <laughs> so I did that for about 10 minutes and I get off stage. And as I'm getting ready to walk out, uh, Michael Curvin, which is now our um, manager. Yeah. Um, he stops me and says, please tell me you're coming back. I said, yeah, I'll be back. He was like, no, I love this venue. And then the John comes right behind him, says, where are you going? You want to drink? I'm like, I don't drink. He was like, okay, you, you want, you want like an orange juice or something? I'm like, <laughs> so I get an orange juice and he was like, dude, you got to come back next week. We're starting this open mic thing and we'd love for you to just sit in at any given time. I'm like, oh, no problem. I'll be back next week. Next week comes, I come play again. Now I'm used to, now I'm, I'm used to the aesthetics. I'm not surprised. So I get up there and I stay on the drums for an hour playing with various people and just John and uh, Michael Curvin is eating it up. They call Leland. Leland comes back just because he wasn't even coming that night. He comes mm. back and they all literally surround me and say, we got a band that we think you need to be in. <laughs> It's called Try More Mojo. It's a jam band. I'm like, I've never been in a jam band before. Mm. And I was like, I don't know, man. I'm in 13 different bands right now. <clears throat> and they were like, what's your biggest band? And at the time, it was a band called Dirty Loops. I mean, <laughs> Dirty Loops. Dirty Grooves. Mm. I wish I was in Dirty Loops. Um, <laughs> but Dirty Grooves. Um, and we were doing really good. Really, really good. Um, and he was like... What if I can get you do get you to do something better, touring again and stuff like that? Because obviously you've done touring before. I can tell. I was like, yeah, yeah. He was like, so 
want to get back on that? I'm like, nah, if it's worth it, it's got to be worth it. I mm. got to gel with the people I'm with because it's more, it's more than music. Oh, yeah. It's more of uh, the camaraderie, the chemistry with the people that you're yeah. with. <clears throat> so he was like, well, being that you're already there level wise, I think you really need to meet these guys. So I go to Leland's house at the time, the Mojo house, <laughs> and I get there and all these songs are already written. Oh, really? And he was like, okay, here's how the song goes. And I'm like, well, what's the beat to it? He's like, no, no, no. We don't want you to do the original beat. We want to see what you create. Mm. So they let me listen to the whole song all the way through and through. Okay, I'm ready to play it. I'm like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, let's go ahead and play it. So I play it all the way through. And they're like, you got every part right. Wow. And we've never heard our song that funky before. <laughs> My like, oh, well, thank you. Let's go on to the next song. So we go on to the next song and we get through about five songs and they're like, dude, you got to join the band. <laughs> I'm like, well, who's the original drummer? And they're like, well, you know, I forgot his name. It's unfortunate. I forgot his name because the irony is the week before that, he asked me for drum lessons. Oh, shit. And I didn't know he was the drummer no, for this what? band. Oh, no. <laughs> And you know, it's no hard feelings yeah. or anything now. I, it was just one of those situations. Yeah. And the irony is what I think a week later, he ended up moving anyway. Oh, <clears throat> so it was just it yeah. was just one of those destined things to happen. But um, that being said, um, I joined the band. And right when I said, yes, I'm joining the band, um, the engineer, the the guy that's over all the sound. Yeah. He plays guitar. He was like, well, if Medrick's joining the band, I'm definitely in the band. <laughs> so now he comes in and he's a, it's a different dynamic. I practice him. I'm like, oh my God, this dude is amazing. Okay. He's a guitarist on that oh, album. Yeah, he's really God. good, man. Just, just Yeah, y'all two are killing it. <laughs> so once we had our first gig at Deep LMR Company in the backyard opening for, I forgot, I think it was... It was uh, either a Fish cover band or a Grateful Dead cover band. Mm. We opened in the back. And when I tell you we first started that first song, people literally gravitated from the inside to the outside. People that, you know, if you know the Grateful Dead and the Fish, um, they usually don't go outside of their realm. Yeah. These people, everybody was outside. And we, were, nice. we only had a 45 minute set while they changed over the stuff they were doing. Yeah. And we had everybody outside. And the first compliment that we got, the first statement and compliment was like, now y'all sound like a national band. I didn't know what they meant before. You know, I didn't mm. know they were, who, who they were talking. I didn't know this was a band before me. I just. Right. Yeah. They were like, yeah, this is a band two years prior. They sound like a local jam band. Mm. Y'all, y'all between you and and the way they already sound and the way that you and Evan bring the dynamics to it, y'all sound national already. Mm. And that's when it just clicked. I was like, all right, I'm going to stick around. Yeah. And we just started getting more and more and more gigs and just opening for people to the point where the as we were opening for the people, the bands that were coming after was like, God dang it, y'all gonna make us work hard tonight. <laughs> so we were excited about just that factor. Yeah. Like that was a that was like the biggest handshake you can ever right, get from yeah. a, you know, from a supporting from from a supporting standpoint. Yeah. So every band started saying that. Like that's awesome. Good grief, y'all. Where y'all from again? 
<laughs> Good God, man, y'all are making us work tonight. We had to change our song list. You know, it's just uh, stuff like that just makes us feel so good. So y'all do kill it, man. Because I, I, anytime y'all have played in the last year, I would, I've watched y'all on YouTube. Man, and yeah, it's it's awesome. We we've gotten so much better. We listen to our older stuff now and cringe, but knowing that that energy got got us where we're at now is it feels so good to see the progress. And I, yeah. where we watched the blueprint of Snarky Puppy, Ghost Note, Funky Knuckles, uh, all these bands that started here are, yeah. are seeing the grits. We, we're watching their blueprint and taking the best of everything they've ever done. Yeah. Just even what, how they toured, how they supported other bands, yeah. um, how Mike League moves with his band, how Sput moves with his band. We've taken all of that into accountability and implied it to us. And one of the themes that we have is uh, not to play, f- not to play in your city more than you play for your city. Mm. So that means wherever we go, we want people to say where you guys are from. We shouldn't have to say it up front. Right. It should literally like make people want to find out. Are y'all from California, New York or something? Yeah. New Orleans? What is it? Just yeah. like, I got to find out. Like, no, we're from Dallas. Dallas? <laughs> but a lot of people just don't know the scene right. in Dallas. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a very hidden scene amongst people that are consumers of music. Yeah. But people that are uh, connoisseurs of music, they know Dallas. Yeah. Some people would be like, well, where's your hat? Yeah, what? you know, stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it's weird. But, um, but yeah, no. But yeah, everywhere <laughs> we go, we just did a, another festival, um, Backwoods Festival for the second time. And the band that came after us uh, was a, a big touring band uh, named Spafford. Mm. And they were playing the night after when they were like, we heard you guys wreck shop. We wasn't even here yet. <laughs> we heard you guys wreck shop. So yeah, we're gonna go in and do our best too. And they, of course they wreck shop too, but um, it, just to even get that yeah. from them. Yeah. They don't have to acknowledge us. Right. Sput does not have to give us the opening slots to Ghost Note. It's funky. Once again, you got Funky Knuckles. You got RC in the Grits. You mm. got Friday's Foolery. You got, I can name a billion musicians that I think in bands that should be on the bill with Ghost Note. Yeah. Yet, they come and ask us sometimes to open for them, to do projects with them, to go on to a little mini tours with them. Because so, you're great, man. Huh? Because you're great, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it just, it, it feels good. So that awesome, Trauma man. Mojo is probably the driving force musically right now that keeps everything else going. Of, uh, so that's, an, that's another project. The other project is Brand New Funk. That came up spontaneous, spontaneously. That's mm. me and DJ Menace. <clears throat> that happened because I own a company called the DJ and the Drummer Collective. Right. And all, all that does is it's basically the gray area between nobody just wants a DJ, but a whole full band is too loud. What can I do to get in between that? So I found that was a niche that nice. was missing. Yeah. Um, it's been going on, I'd say, 10 years before I made it a business, 20 years before I made it a business, but it just never would popularize as a business. Right. So I decided to make it a business um, and hire my favorite drummers, hire my favorite DJs and give them the most. My, my whole goal was to give them the most money they've ever made in an hour. Mm. 
because as musicians, we get shafted. We play for three hours, rehearse for weeks for this one gig and get a hundred dollars. Yeah. And people don't, venues, people don't understand like the frustration us musicians have when you just give us a hundred dollars. But we gotta, we gotta take it because this is how we, how we develop. But I vowed when I made my company, you will get more per hour than Mm. you will ever get as a drummer, especially. And every drummer that's drummed for me, for the DJ and the Drummer Collective, they walk away with four, five, six, seven hundred dollars for two hours. Awesome. You're like, oh my, bro, call me anytime. (laughs) (laughs) This was easy. It was fun. Nice. You know, just so. Um, yeah, because it sounds like it'd be a, a fun set to play. I mean, it's an on absolute, either side. Yeah, yeah you. I mean, just think about you playing on guitar. Your the music you already know from a DJ. Yeah, and you're adding stuff to it. Yeah. You're not you're not manipulating the song. The song doesn't change because you're there. Right. Yeah. You're just you're adding a a live element to it. And as a drummer, when people are outside, you're doing properly. People are outside thinking when yeah from Usher is playing, they think Usher's there. Yeah. And they run inside and go, oh, it's just a DJ and a drummer. Wait a minute. (laughs) It's just a DJ and a drummer. Mm. I got to see if they can keep doing this. Mm. And it happens. So we get hired. They get hired for weddings, corporates. Uh, The main one that we did uh, out here was, and I didn't realize that um, Chuck E. Cheese was birthed in Irving. Oh, I didn't know that. Shoot me in the foot. I didn't know either. I was like, wow. They hired us and they were like, this is literally the best party we've ever had. That's awesome. (laughs) And that was an international date. They had that was the I guess it was the birthday anniversary of the company. company. Yeah. So they called everybody from everywhere worldwide, uh, nationwide. And to have all them people go, what is this? This is we're never hiring a top 40 band ever again. <laughs> you know, they ended up doing it, but you know, but just to have that option. Yeah. Like if we get in a venue like this and the music is gonna be way too loud for a cover band. Yeah. Having a DJ and a drummer, oh my God. Yeah, that's awesome. So. Cause it gives you a, a visual like dynamic. Cause you know, DJs will have like yeah. things in the background. So you, and the instead of just seeing a DJ pump his fist and press a button. Change the lights. Yeah. It's like and, now you got and, a drummer. And I, and I hate to say this and I'm saying this with all due respect. But uh, when top 40 bands play, and I play in a couple of top 40 bands um, that I really like a lot. Um, But in top 40 bands, if you don't play the song just like it is on the record, the people out there will let you know. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So now you feel more like a jukebox. So the more more you play these top 40 bands, the money's great. Yeah. The money is Wonderful, but you start feeling like a robot. Yeah, there's no room for improv. There, you can't. You there's no improving. There, you hit the symbol where it's supposed to be. Yeah. You don't try to finesse in the song. Yeah, stick to your part. Stick to your part. You keep your job. Yeah. And the job pays well. Yeah. So it's very hard to get away from because you're like, I'm picking five hundred here. Over there, I can be creative and only make a hundred dollars. Mm. Mm. So <laughs> it's a tough. It, I, so I made a balance out of that too. I, yeah. I only do certain people. Um, I mean, now I cut it down from being in four cover bands to only being in one. And whenever they hire me, they already know what they're getting. I'm not gonna waver. I'm since I'm gonna stick to the part. Yeah. I study the music. Yeah. What's the cover band? 
Uh, that one's X Factor. X Factor. Um, yeah, it used to be a, um, a group I was in called Factor Fiction. That band, this band, and half of that band uh, ended up being in X Factor. And they, they called me. They was like, yeah, man, you, you already know the material. You already know this. And we're not using tracks. Oh, I'm in. Nice. We're not using tracks. Because that was another thing. When you're on tracks, you can't go anywhere. Go away, yeah. You, you, just, you have to just do whatever the song does. So you're doing a live beat? Yeah. So everything is live. That yeah. means you, I have to know the tempos to every single song that comes on. Yeah. Because I'm the starter for every single song. The um, <laughs> yeah, you have to know the original beats. You have to know everything about the song that even doesn't incorporate drums so you can make sure that everybody yeah. is doing their part so um hyper coordinated yeah so you got you you have to be super aware when you're in a cover band that doesn't play on tracks and i like that i like that challenge yeah so um i stick with that and people that hire me like that you know every once in a while there's a cover band that'll call that i'm really good friends with and they'll go hey man we really need you our drummer's sick or the drummer will call me and say hey bro i know you don't do a lot of cover bands mm. do you happen to have this date open yeah i have it open for you i'll do it no problem long as they know i'm not here to try to take your job because mm. i'm always a staple about that like i i've been in too many situations where i go in just as the calm, doing my job, business savvy person, and they want to fire the yeah, other keep drummer. Out and get this guy in there. Yeah. No, that's not what I'm here for. Yeah. I'm here to represent him, right? To make sure his reputation stays valid. Mm. So when he comes back, it's cool. And because I do that with cover bands, the the other world knew I did that, so they felt more comfortable with me getting on stage, knowing that I'm not here to try to, I'm not in competition with you. I'm here to fill in a spot um, as you're absent, as you, as much as I can. And some of these people I do, in my eyes, I do not belong on these stages. (laughs) You know, like he actually, Cleon asked me to get up one day, this is during the profit bar, when the profit bar was open. Mm -hmm. And soon I'm and the private bar is a long bar. Yeah. So I'm in the back. He sees me from the stage <laughs> and points his drums while he still points his stick while he's drumming. I know that's your hair. Said, come, come on up. <laughs> come up. So I come up and I knew part of the reason why he wanted to have have a nice little break. Um, but he knew that I wasn't there to try to take his job, not to show off. Yeah. I'm there for the integrity of, this, the of the music. Yeah. But there's a line of drummers against the wall that are way more qualified than I am. Mm. But he calls me from way. I mean, I can't get in the door good. He's like, you. Uh, <laughs> it's like, OK. I'm thinking he's going to leave for five minutes. No, he's gone for <laughs> 45 minutes. He's gone. He comes back knowing <laughs> that everything is all yeah, right. Cool. And he gets back on the drum set. And then I'm, as soon as he gets back on the drum set, I'm like, why was I even there? It's just he just smoked everything I just did. But um, we became friends. Me and Cleon became friends because uh, outside of that, the drumming factor, um, I told him my favorite thing that I, he's ever done on YouTube. He was like, I know it's the little solo that I did with such and such. I'm like, no, 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 no. My favorite is when you did the rehearsal in Africa with Joe Scott. Mm. And he was like, what you just say? I said, the So In Love With You song with Joe Scott, and you, you know, you were, you were so clean. Everything you did in the song was just the grooviest thing ever. He was like, give me a hug. 
right there. He put his drink down, gave me a hug. He said, we friends for life. Because wow. <laughs> um, he, at that time, I didn't know he was fighting from being the solo because he's a dynamic wonderful storyteller when he's soloing. Mm. He is Slick Rick. He's Kendrick Lamar on drums. Mm. He's the one of the best storytellers ever. And he he nobody starts taping him playing music. They tape when his solos happen. So all over YouTube, oh. when you look up Cleon Edwards, it's, it's nothing but solos. Yeah. So nobody started, nobody would hire him. And so he was telling me he would, that's the woe he was having. Um. I can't get the big gigs Wow. because everybody only tapes my solo. So wow. every other artist thinks, oh, this is it's like, all he's going to do all day. Yeah, it's like social perception. It's right. Like, oh, so, so my favorite thing of him grooving, he was like... Man, people actually listening to me groove. I'm like, yeah. bro, you're one of the greatest groovers I know. <laughs> wow. And so he was like, bro, thank you so much. And from that point on, we had been the best of friends. And that's that's a, that's a, a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. That's a, a beautiful thing about this industry is when people recognize, you know, people and they, a hustler sees a hustler, you know, yeah, and they're like yeah. not in a negative, you know, connotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you, see, like, when you see man. somebody, you know, somebody that does it different, because once again, as a drummer in Dallas, yeah, Dallas is a sea of drummers. Yeah. Literally bands come here to find their drummer to go on tour with. <laughs> this is what the industry does. Yeah. Like all the California drummers, most of them are from Dallas. <laughs> all the New York drummers, most of them are from Dallas. You know, they have ties in Dallas somehow. Yeah. So the industry knows the pool in Dallas for drummers. It's, it's wide. Yeah. So there is no way I should, <laughs> I should be able to even get hired for a job. So how do I set myself apart? Once again, my mentor was like, just don't try to be like anybody else. So mm. it sounds corny to say, but if you listen to everybody out that's playing, they're trying to be like Cleon. They're trying to be like Cedric Moore. They're trying to be like me. They're trying yeah. to do this. The people that excel are the ones that do their own thing. Yeah. Be yourself. People laugh at you. Cool. Let them laugh because you set up your drums a certain way and nobody understands it. Yeah. But have you ever seen Cleon's drum set? It looks... To him, he's like, I, what? I, I would never play on it. Mm. But when he plays on it, he's comfortable. Right. Nobody can already play on it. So um, he's like, just be you. Find a niche. Find something that some find. He said, find something that you think uh, stereotypically that a drummer does that sh that shouldn't do. One of them being late to a gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have the most to set up outside of the sound man himself. Yeah, we have the most to set up. Yeah, it takes us longer to do sound checks. Yeah, why are we the latest one? <laughs> so okay, from this point on, I'm gonna stop being the late one, mm. or I'm gonna stop being the on time one. I'm gonna be before time. There you go. So that got me more gigs. Mm. Personality. If you're an ass, you're not gonna continue working. Yeah, no matter how talented you are. Yeah. It's just people will hire you for that day. Yeah. And you've done phenomenal. Everything about you that day was great, except for your attitude. Yeah. You're not getting hired again. Yeah. Or they'll find a replacement every single time. Right. Um, the other thing was um, the quality of the stuff that you use. Mm. Don't come in with cracked symbols every time I see you. <laughs> 
Don't come in with drums that are mismatched. Every time I see, if they're mismatched, just let them be clean. Mm, yeah. Whatever the case may be, right. but, you know, be prepared for the gig. Come in with ears, even if we're not using ears. Mm. Come in with, uh, with, the, with the set list. You might not know if I need, need the set list or not. I come in with three of them, just in case somebody else needs one. Yeah. Um, those type of things. And that's what separates me from a lot of other drummers. Then on top of that, I can keep a groove a little bit. <clears throat> just, just a little, a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> enough to make people go, okay. All right, so I'm hiring you more than I hired that person now. Yeah. So that's, and so that's what game meters are. And doing on top of that, the respect of, even if I do get your gig, I'm not here to take your gig. Sure, yeah. I'm here to, uh, to, to represent you in, yeah. the, in the best possible way. Well, and that would give you a professional edge too. And that's what keeps the other drummers, now the drummers not seeing them as competition. Yeah. They're now seeing me as an as a, as a ally. Yeah. This guy's gonna take care of me. I can go to Hawaii for two weeks <laughs> and I'm good. Yeah. So that's it on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a busy man. I try to be, man. I, I really, I really, truly, truly try to be. Um, it was uh, some times where I didn't know how to mm. be busy. Yeah. Um, and then another, once again, mentors. It's, it's, uh, people that's listening, please get yeah, mentorship. Mentor. Find somebody that you that is tangible to you that you can talk to and just let everything out to whether it's about music or not because trust me it helps big time mentorship taught me to use my life and find out how to make a schedule so for instance part of my life i have a wife instead of her being thankfully she's 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 had a piece of the music scene as well, so she gets it. Sure. But still, me being away too long yeah. starts to create a little tension. Sure. So make her part of what you do. Yeah. And when I was like, how would I do that? He was like, give her your schedule. Give her your schedule. Mm. When somebody calls, they have to go through her first. Mm to set for rehearsals and for set, set times, make her part, make her, and he said, make her an assistant of what you do. Mm. Then she'll appreciate everything. That's the going out all night. Cause she don't know the reason why you're going out all, going out on a Tuesday night. She don't know why you're going to go. You're not just going to support somebody. Yeah. You're also learning the music just in case that drummer can't make it. Yeah. He know you've been, the venue know, the band knows. Right. Metric's always here. Yeah. It's always supporting us. That man knows the music already. Mm. <clears throat> and so that's a, it's a double-edged sword. And then on top of that, people see you when you're out. Yeah. Now you're tangible. Like, hey, bro, I got this gig on such and such night. Now that you're here, yeah. I can ask you personally, are you available such and such day? I would come back with at least three gigs. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Longer dates down the line, but yeah. I would come back with three gigs. Yeah. Well, the days I don't go out, I lose about two to three gigs. Mm. Empty, empty calendar for the next month. Yeah. <clears throat> and once she figured that out, then she started making me go out. <laughs> it's nah. like, no, you need to go out Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Got to get out. Network, man. <laughs> Network. I, need, I don't need you home until one o'clock. Wow. She would be the one telling me, that, hey, rehearsal. 
you need to be there at this time. Hey, coach. <laughs> I got you. You know, so so now that she's part of the team, which yeah. is me and her, as far as the scheduling, yeah. she is she gets it now. That's she's beautiful. seeing behind the curtain that yeah. most people wouldn't get to see. And she she once she realized it, it the balance was perfect. Same thing with production. I make her part of production. Mm. I let her listen to it and yeah. give me the most honest how do you feel about this? Mm, it feels eerie, like it's like something scary. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> I didn't want to tell her, nice. but that's exactly what yeah. I was going for. Yeah, I do the same thing. That's <laughs> yeah. perfect. You, you need that control group. It's like they're not going to, they'll just give you the raw, like immediate, you know, response. Yeah. Like, so she's, makes me she, run. <laughs> she's part of my control group. So that's awesome. Like, oh, it feels eerie. I don't want, I don't want to hear, hear the song anymore. Like, yes, that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> then there are songs where, I want her to feel sexy. So I make it just as in, on the NPC. I just make a song that kind of gives that sex appeal. And she goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, soon as she puts that, oh, yeah, this is it. <laughs> Who's this for? And I'm like, it's for nobody. She was like, yeah, make a five minute loop of this real quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did my job. <laughs> Cha-ching. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that happens. So making her part of the process made it everything a lot easier as well. Nice. <clears throat> so well, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, so what's on the horizon? What uh what shows or what's up? What's going well, on? Trauma Mojo is obviously you know, still doing our thing. We have a lot of big announcements that I can't give yet. Okay. But there are uh we're playing in uh Plano. There's the no Chicago this week. Plano the week afterwards. Oh, nice. Um, so we're getting around. We did three festivals in the last two weeks. Um, nice. <clears throat> right, before the, right before the pandemic, we were literally going to go to, I can't, it was South by Southwest, mm. then Jazz Fest to play before Snorky Puppy and Ghost Note. Oh, whoa. And then we were going to go overseas. Oh, shit. Yeah. South by Southwest didn't happen. We was like, okay, that's cool. One yeah. thing canceled. We still going to Jazz Fest, baby. Yeah. Jazz Fest canceled the day uh, after that. It was like, oh, wow. Yikes. And then somebody made a joke and said, it ain't real until Coachella cancels. And then Coachella like, cancels. Ooh. And we were like, okay, the world, we need to go inside. Yeah. Things we need to go serious. inside. This is serious. And they're not trying to make money. Then yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> time to go inside. So when, you know, but wow. what we wanted to do was during the pandemic, it was like, okay, we got to continue working somehow. Yeah. Once again, being, uh, we started at Deep LMR Company, we was like, how can we support them and support us at the same mm. time? So we started this, uh, this corn stream is yeah. what we called it. Yeah. And so we were the first band to do the corn stream and then other bands started coming to the venue and doing the same thing yeah. where nobody was there. It's just the stage. Everything else is blacked out and it's just them. Yeah. And we did like five of those and all the money went straight back to the Bellamart company. Yeah. Um, he paid us on the back end, but we wanted most of the money yeah. to go straight to the venue. And he loved that. So, <clears throat> so that's that relationship we got with them. Um, but all it did was start back up soon as, you know, it was time to get 
Facts. to doing another thing, yeah. everything, everything was just right back to normal again. Yeah. So it's starting to pick up again. We just we just don't count 2020. That's all. Yeah. We we don't we don't say we've been a mem- we've been a band for five years. We've paid, been a band for four years. You yeah. know, just everything to get rid of that year. Yeah. <clears throat> like what happened last year? Oh, last year I was we was almost in jazz fest. You know, so we get rid of that year yeah. immediately. Yeah. Um, so I got that. Obviously, the uh, the meds album is being worked on um, <clears throat> as we speak. Um, I hope to have it out, and I'm putting this in the air. December the 12th of okay. this year. <clears throat> the reason why I'm such a hip hop head <laughs> that I have to do things that relate to hip hop in in me. So one two one two. It to me. Uh, should be a day for MCs. New York. That's a hip hop, a hip hop, yeah. a hip hop day for just MCs. Uh, because what you say on the mic, one two one two. two yeah. <clears throat> so one two one two should be a hip hop day. And I always thought that for a long time, and I was like, you know what? Whenever I release something, I'm gonna do it on one two one two. And that's exactly what I'm gonna do. So one two one two, I <laughs> plan on having this album out. That's perfect. Um, well, let me know, man. <clears throat> yeah. I'll promote the hell out of it. <laughs> Trimo Mojo is working on new material as we speak. Awesome. So obviously the album that we put out, uh, First Contact, we wanted to give everybody a piece of what we do. Uh, bring jam band truly to an album. Because mm. most jam bands, um, it feels like a studio album. Mm. We wanted to bring the experience of the jam band energy yeah. on an album. It's yeah. extremely hard to do to not, okay, we got to do a structure, but how do we make it jam? Yeah. You know, and we, I, we all, I think we got a good 80% of it, what we wanted to do done. Yeah. Uh, the, well, you have, have some good tracks that that veer off and change it, yes. come back. It's and that's that's, that's what we wanted to do on that album, especially. But yeah, any, anything you want to ask me, man. I, I know I've been rambling, but anything you want to ask me, I'm good. No, dude. I mean, I, that's why I wanted to hear from you, man. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I got most of my questions out. There's, 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 there's. I'm layered, so it's just, <laughs> I really am. I, it's so, it's so. Uh, I'm doing so much on purpose. Uh, uh, Partially, number one, my age. I'm 44, about to be 45 in January. I'm just getting into production. Mm. Um, I obviously was like, dang, you're watching. If 10 years ago, I would have had so much going on, but that's neither here nor there. But hey, now, a, you, now you're months ahead of where yeah, you are oh, then. So. Man, I'm, when I tell you, when I, I production-wise, when people listen to my production, I tell them I've only been producing for X amount of months. They go, what? Like, bro, you sound this, you shouldn't sound like this. And that's a compliment. Yeah. You should not sound like this. Your learning curve, I was like, well, I I heard about this learning curve, so I studied as much as I could until I got the machine. Yeah. So when I got the machine, I wouldn't be dumbfounded. Right. So I, I hopefully I, I succeeded at it, at least that part. Um Man, you're you're just a genuine, like respectful musician so it's like when you <laughs> when you're trying to do something you just put a lot of care into it when you show it to someone you realize you're just sharpening your sword and in yes. order to do that you have to rub it against something harder right oh, absolutely and so you show it to your mentor you show it to the guy that you're like uh, i don't know if it's his style but he'll tell you like yeah oh, that's a weird time signature like oh yeah that is. that's what i was going for i wanted yes. it to feel a little <laughs> odd and then you you understand 
yourself a little bit more, you know, because yeah. it's yeah. not it's not just an idea. It's you've it's become, you know, what it is. Yeah. And you know, then uh, a, a philosophy I took from now, even before I started producing, one of my favorite producers, Jay Diller. Yeah. Um, his you can tell as he was dying, he wanted to like get everything out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like even I heard even on his as he was, you know, on a ventilator, he had his mom pressing it for him. Wow. Because she, you know, she he was there. He was like, put this here, put this there. So she wow. learned indirectly a little bit on how to put the beats together <laughs> because he had it all in pieces. He just he was weak that day and he yeah. just couldn't press the buttons. Wow. So he had his mom press the buttons in certain sequences and. That's what gave certain certain songs. But uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff said it best the, uh, about Jay Dilla that everybody needed to learn is to die empty. Don't die with don't have everything mm. you possess in your body yeah. and leave this earth and nobody knows about it. Yeah. Put everything out that mm. you can while wow. you're living. And wow. empty yourself. Em uh, just try your best to empty yourself and try your best to die empty. So when you leave <laughs> that legacy of music or that legacy of whatever you were doing, writing, acting, people see it. And we saw with, you know, um, what's his name? Michael that just died. Yeah. He is it, it, unfortunate how he died. But if you look at how he lived, he learned how to dance African tribe music because of the joy of it. Mm. There's video. If you ever see there's him in New York street dancing into a, to an African tribal song, it's so beautiful. The person that's dancing as a professional is looking at him in, in disbelief, like, oh, my God, <laughs> uh, his acting, him portraying DMX. Yeah. The way he portrayed DMX. Nobody could have pulled that off. Mm. And my favorite with him is that commercial of him. The five characters he's ever been that the most iconic. Oh, yeah. That's him cool. talking to himself. I was I was blown away. I was like, that is what I want to be as a musician. Mm. I want to have five different facets of me talking to each other, <laughs> giving each other criticism. Yeah. And I want us to come up with something all the time. And. Yeah. Just yeah. get it all out. So that's exactly what the reason why I'm so busy. The reason why I'm trying, I try my best to be so busy is to get, I want, I haven't toured as much as I wanted to in my life. I want to tour more. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't done studio work as much as I wanted in my life. I'm doing more studio work, uh, production. Um, I, on the tour, we did a two week tour. I purposely gave myself, I'm 44. I said to this two weeks I'm on tour, I will make 44 beats that I'm happy with. Mm. So that's a beat a, that's, that's a beat a day, yeah, yeah. or at least three, I think it's three beats a day. I had to make three wow. beats a day yeah. that I was happy with. So I made 58, <laughs> but I made 45 that I was happy with. Mm. And I didn't tell anybody on tour that that's what I was doing. They just saw, mm. they saw me being hyper-focused. Yeah. They were like, man, he doesn't come out the room. He doesn't do this. And, and a lot of people, would, especially in the band, they thought it was part of my age. You know, I can't relate to some oh, of the I stuff see. because uh -huh. I'm the oldest person in the band. Uh -huh. um, but it was really just me hyper-focused on getting my task yeah. done. I'm sharpening my skills as a producer while it's happening. Oh, yeah. But my ultimate goal was to literally get everything out of my brain. Yeah. I needed it all the way out. And... 
that I was so happy when I did it. Wow. I felt so relieved. Yeah. So when I came home, I was like, okay, I know I can, I, I exercise that muscle. Now <laughs> let's get back into storytelling in a track. Mm. I want to be able to tell a story. I'm not making beats for MCs. I'm making beats for situations. Mm. That ha- if an MC hears something, oh, it feels like a sunny day. Well, there you go. You have one. I have a, a beat that's purposely in a six time signature. It's not made for anybody to rap over, but somebody is going to get so inspired to rap over this because the song uh, "Electric Relaxation" mm-hmm. it's in a four, it's in a six over four bar. Oh, okay. But they rap it in four. Oh, weird. So when you listen to uh, "Electric Relaxation" from Tribe Called Quest, you're like, I never really felt that, and that's the. That's that Q-tip, Jay Dilla type thing. Yeah. And Dilla does that well because his mentor was Q-tip and Pete Rock. So that was his favorite producers. And so it was natural for him to gravitate to doing stuff like that. So I, like I said, as far as production, as far as everything I'm doing, the reason why I'm so busy, the reason why I try my best to stay so busy is to die empty. That's wow. even in supporting people. Yeah. I don't want people to to leave this earth not knowing that I loved what they did. Yeah. I, I, I'm big on community. Um, so I musically, I do my best to pat people on the back, show people support. Uh, I don't know if you know Marcus Jones. Marcus Jones is one of our elite drummers in the city. Uh, he plays for a group. He founded the group called The Found. People literally come to the Freeman Cafe on Thursday night, traditionally out of town. And I'm talking bands. Dave Chappelle showed up. Lady Gaga's band showed up. Um, Genuine's band. It just it, The list goes on and on and on. Yeah. They purposely take a, a whole nother day before their gig to come see them, yeah. and see them. Wow. That's how influential. He, and then he's, he's also one of those, I'm going to take everybody out. You might not know my city, but let me show you where you oh, need to go yeah, type yeah. person. Uh-huh. So him getting in the flood this last couple of days in New York, he had, went up to New York to uh, do, a, do a show and they get this massive flood yeah. because of the hurricane. He almost dies. Oh, whoa. He swim his, literally had to swim his way out of a car. Whoa. So he got out the car, but all his stuff was there. His drums, oh. his cymbals, his uh, computer, his MacBook, with all his music yeah. and everything on Ugh. it. I can't imagine losing my NPC, let alone years and stuff on yeah. the MacBook. Um, so... That I know, we know what a terrible blow that can happen as a community. And it's worldwide known that Dallas is like this, especially amongst us drummers, that we will give the world to each other. Mm. So the moment we found out, I got online and said, hey man, I know it's been a couple of hours, nobody said this yet, but we need to build Marcus up because right now it's crucial for him. Mm. He, he can go in depression. We don't need that to happen to one of our elites. Yeah. Let's give him what he wow. needs, whether it's money, cash app, whatever the case may be. Yeah. So I thought I was, I'm getting ready to go give him money. And I thought about it like, no, what is something he can't live without? Kit. Something, something related to drums. Oh, so I call him or I text him and I text his manager at the same time. I'm like, hey, what does Marcus want physically? Mm. And you, he's very nice, like, oh man, nothing, man. If you, whatever you give me, a cool. No, 
if you had to get something off your drum set and just if you had that day to do over again and you have five minutes to get one thing from your drum set, what it be? He's like, oh, I had to have this ozone cymbal, man. Got to. No problem. So I end up buy, I'm buying him the ozone symbol. It should be delivered in the next couple of days. Nice. And I call him and say, hey man, it's coming. I'm probably, if it comes one day, a day later than what it's supposed to, I'll be on tour. But when I get back, I'm texting you to find out where you're at. I'm delivering it to you. I don't need no photos doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's just, this is what needs to happen yeah. in our community. Yeah, no glory. It's just, you need it. This is, and this is, yeah. and I, I'll tell the story not to glorify what I'm doing, but yeah. to let people know that not only uh, am I like this, but there's a, a whole Dallas musician, all the musicians are yeah. like this with each other. Yeah, it's a real community. It's a really big community. I got on, when I was on Sweetwater talking to him about it, and he was like, I heard Dallas was like that as far as musicians. Oh, really? Yeah. He was like, it's good to hear somebody from Dallas do this. So, um, wow. that type of thing, those type of dying empty is what I'm aiming yeah. for to make sure people get their flowers while they're here, help them out while they're here, encourage them when they're down. Uh, monetarily, that's temporary. If you need money right now, whatever the case may be, we can do something. You can do a show. We can do a show together and pull you in some money. I don't have to actually come out of my own pocket. Yeah. But do you know who you are? Do, ma'am, do you know who you are? <laughs> Let's get your talent to do your job for you yeah. and then have people donate. So, and we do that. There's a couple of people that we've done that for. Um, that I can think of, but that's my whole thing lately. And this last year is my whole goal is to die empty. That's beautiful. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know how else to kind of describe like <laughs> myself, like how I would want to be like a healthy person, yeah. like what I would envision, like, you know, Russell two times my age, like whatever I would want, like, you know, to look back and be proud of, like, that's what I've always wanted to be is a part of a community to achieve something, not just because, oh, Sam did it, but because right. like it, it meant something to someone, it gave something to someone. It was, it, it, it was motivating or it was actually tangible. It was something that they, it was useful, you know? Yeah. And, and, and musically, what you just said was you literally put it in the words, like a concept I didn't even really know how to explain, <laughs> but to, uh, construct and practice and build other versions of me to bounce off of myself. Mm -hmm. You know, the jazz version of me is going to, you know, argue that the, this part of the chill, this chill wave song is, <laughs> is total shit and su super yeah. slow, you know, but then the, the heavy rock part of me is like, well, where's the guitar? You know? Yeah. But it's like, that's, but that's what keeps you interesting. You know, that's yes. what keeps you unique and, and you know, perceived cutting edge because you're just, you're genre blending and fusing and mm -hmm. you threw out the blender. It's just, you're just meshing now. <laughs> And, and it's just, I don't know, that, that's, it's just a, a beautiful mesh of life. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, uh, I, I've always been an expressive person, but I wanted to be expressive with a point, with a purpose, you mm. know, and, and phrasing it like that is, is, is beautiful to, to say you'd want to die empty because I mean, truthfully, I mean, you, I, I say this a lot to myself and like people I talk to, it's like, you know, coming to new terms. It's like, mm. you know, it's like when I'm frustrated by something, it's like, I just need to come to new terms with what this really is or what this friendship really is or what this professional relationship really is, all that kind of stuff. And just realizing like, yeah, like coming to terms with like, the end and realizing like there's so much potential in between oh yeah and 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 what you just said like this is your time you have to get it out yes and and because you don't want to feel and what that's what you highlighted that just rang my bell was like <laughs> i don't i don't want to just disappear and then like i only only i knew 
right. this potential that was just waiting to get in the right room with the right person, waiting to get it on on the track, waiting right. to get on the track with my with my buddy that I'm comfortable with. You know, uh -huh. I don't uh, maybe I don't have to deal with this teacher because I don't really know him. I'm like, no, throw that nerve out the door and run for it. That's you right. Know? That's and, right. Yeah, I don't know. Everything you just said for the last like eight <laughs> minutes was just beautiful. So, so no. Thanks, man. Thank yeah, you. man. Well, this has been great, man. I've really enjoyed connecting thank with you. Thank you for dude. having me, man. I, yeah. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is only my second podcast okay. ever. So uh, we'll come back whenever you want, man. This is this will this is definitely a highlight of my of my year so far. <laughs> so um, thank you for having me once again. Thanks for even thinking about me. You could have called anybody. <laughs> you could have called anybody and you called me and uh well, I'm, I, I'm forever grateful yeah man well, i've had a couple of buddies tell me about try more mojo so i already had you on my radar yeah. <laughs> and then you know i had ac on the show and he he's talked super highly of you and i was like i gotta get this guy on man yeah ac is a wonderful guy i he is another one of the the i can say i i mentor him a little bit where he was just on the fence about just giving up music mm. and one conversation Oof. And he was like, I'm never giving up again. <laughs> He's like, I'll talk myself through it. You know, now I know how to talk myself through it. Yeah. See, because you're going to always feel like yeah. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing this. I should be doing this. Somebody's yeah. doing better than me. Right. Once you once you find your lane and realize everybody's either going to go faster, they're going to go slower. But nobody's going to be in your lane. Yeah. So you're never going to get in a wreck. And also realize that uh, a lot of people that something stuck and then ring the right bell or caught the right wave. Like what you just said about the, uh, a gentleman before, it's like he probably had a hundred other videos out that no one even realized. And then that one beat just caught the wave just caught the and wave. Then boom, there he is. And now, now he's actualized. Yeah, that one beat made him be seen by one of the biggest artists. That one artist being seen by other artists now looking at you again. Yeah. Now they're, they're backtracking and listening to the other stuff. <laughs> It's, it, it's just, it helps so much. And like I said, with, with, and I give a lot of credit to my mentor because it's almost like like having a therapist a little bit as well mm. to be able to talk oh, big time. freely big time. to somebody yeah. uh, about music or just, just life in general and to hear that person's flaws as well, knowing, oh, he's not Superman. Yeah. Oh my God, he forgets stuff. Yeah. You know, he's just like, because I've I seen him so many times as this most perfect musician, yeah. individual. And oh, my God, he's human. He laughs. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. you know, he has bad days. Yeah. You know, he don't want to talk to somebody days. Yeah. So um, to know that and to for him to take me under once again. He is, Spud is literally everybody's favorite guy to be around. Mm. And you talk to any musician and you mention Spud's name, it, they just go, oh man, oh man. This, what he's done for me, they always go always tap what he's done for me moment. Mm. Indirectly and directly. Yeah. It's like, oh man, what Spud did for me is, what, what you don't understand how Spud, what he means, you know? And we have a couple of those type of people in the city. And um, that's what ultimately made me stay in my hometown instead of just keep bouncing around. Because mm. I lived in seven different other states. New York was where I was raised. New York and New Orleans where I was raised uh, in my youth. Um, and But I was born in Dallas. Okay. And uh, I would come back to visit my dad every, you know, for the summer. But I never stayed 
more than six months, mm. ever stayed more than six months. So when I got older, I was like, you know what? I've never stayed no more than six months in my own hometown. Let me try it. I get here, I meet my wife. <laughs> I've, all the music that I've been chasing, all the styles of music that I've, I, cause I would move according to the music. Oh, okay. I wanted, if I wanted go-go music, I moved to DC mm. to get the feeling. Cause I, I don't read music. Mm. I know the feeling of music. Yeah. So I go for the feel and I'll, I would go to DC, stay there until I learn how to play crank, play mm. go-go. Okay. Moved to Atlanta. Atlanta was popping. Had Goody Mob, Outkast, uh, TLC. Uh, everybody was popping out of uh, Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta. I get that sound in my head. Cool. Mm. All right. Move back to New York. I get that sound under my under my cool. I moved to New Orleans. Get the jazz thing under my belt. Yeah. Cool. But I get to Dallas, and it's everything <laughs> on one street. Yeah. In Deep Ellum. I'm like, wait a wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's like the craziest crossroads in the country. You mean to tell me my birthplace? I didn't have to leave because the West Coast is heavily influenced by Dallas Sound. Mm. The East Coast is heavily. The reason why certain things happen in gospel, hip hop, R&B is because if you look in the credits, it's somebody from Dallas there. <laughs> and it's weird to say and it's cocky to say, but it's the truth. Yeah, it is absolutely true. Most <laughs> of the plant, the transplants from California are people from Dallas and vice versa. Right, yeah. They went to Dallas and they moved to California and now they claim California is their home. Yeah. But they really from DOC. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest artists that nobody really um, knows nowadays because they don't do their hip hop history. But if you listen to the Chronic album, that would have been DOC's second album if he wouldn't have gotten that car wreck and messed up his his voice. Yeah. But DOC's first album, No One Can Do It Better, is officially the southern version of Illmatic Nas from Nas. <laughs> Yeah. It, there was no flaw in that album. Mm. Everything was right about it. And we we was like, but everybody, because it came out, he was associated with Dr. Dre, N.W.A. Mm. Everybody thought he was from California. Oh. So he just... It, it, he just never glorified saying whether he was from California or from Dallas. Yeah. He just, I'm a, I'm a lyricist. I'm this, I'm yeah. that. We're going to make these music. And he was one of the biggest ghostwriters for a lot of musicians, a lot of hip hop artists on the West Coast. Yeah. Including Dr. Dre, mm. including, you know, Snoop couldn't, get, he'll get a writer's block and stuff like that. DOC is mm. there. Wow. And I'm, it's, it's countless. It's just, and so to know that this man is from Oak Cliff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he lives here. I'm from Oak Cliff. What? Like, it's like, <laughs> <just> crazy. <laughs> wait a minute. You know, to, to that, just that, that type of depth of yeah. musicians, that's who lives here. Uh, Daniel Jones is the musical director for Janet Jackson. Mm. Okay. Cliff. Wow. Terrence Martin lived in Dallas before he moved back to California. And he attributes a lot of some of his success between Houston and Dallas. (laughs) He's like, 
And there's hence the reason why he called. If you look at the credits, half of the credits is <laughs> because of the so many ties. He was like, oh, I got to get Kamazi Washington. I got to get Sput. I got to have Robert Glasper. So he pulled all his Houston and Dallas people to help him with the Pimple Butterfly album. <laughs> And it came out the classic that it is. Yeah. And the same back and forth. It's just, it's so much, so, so much. Um, so most of the pop songs, if they weren't made by those guys in Sweden, the the, the two pop artists that made all the hip, all uh-huh. the pop songs, most of the pop songs either got co-produced or produced from Dallas artists. Mm. Butterfly Kisses, Bob Carlisle. Oh, really? I don't know if you know yeah, that I song. Know that song, yeah. But is the dr- the original drummer? Oh, is he? On- what? Wow! What the hell? This of all the songs. <laughs> wow! Damn, like that's a, that's a, a nomination. That's a nomination of his. Wow. But the song was big already. But it got bigger when Leanne Rhymes did it. Oh yeah. Because she was fourteen when she did Butterfly Kisses, sounding like a powerhouse singer. Yeah. Man. That's how she got famous. Man, that's a throwback. I haven't thought about that song one time. <laughs> like it's just weird to know that wow. he had something yeah. to do with that. That's crazy. (laughs) So, like I said, those type of things, you just, once you start reading, because nobody reads credits anymore, it's not not visible. So you have to research credits. But that's why I love this show, man. I mean, getting connect with the the local Dallas musicians, man, and just getting this, like, you know, like, oh, my mentor really understood this guy. And it's just so much. It branches off into so many things. And I mean, literally, I mean, like, uh, I was talking to a guitarist a couple of months ago, you know, but there's, there's arguments that the blues started in Dallas. I mean, literally one of the, the <laughs> earliest blues songs is called like the Dallas blues. And it wasn't even written by anybody in Dallas, but it's because they rode trains and there was just a crazy crossroads. And it's like, they ever look up what? Lucky Peterson. Lucky Peterson is from Dallas. He is literally one of the founders of blues. <laughs> and he died, I think now a year, maybe a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. And he was a multi-instrumentalist. He played organ at nine years old. Whoa. That's intense. That's a crazy instrument, like a real organ. Yes. <laughs> and he gravitated to more of the guitar, but he played bass, guitar, keys. He went overseas to teach clinics on how to play the blues properly. Mm. <laughs> so wow. This and he would just. <laughs> Bobby Sparks, another one. Mm. Uh, oh my God! This, I mean, we can just a, keep keep going. I mean, it's just it's it's so the the I'm saying all that to say that soil in Dallas for music has been rich mm. and has always been rich. Even when Houston was at the top of the music game, mm. people still gravitated towards yeah. Dallas. We did a lot of. Uh, driving to Houston to give them that Houston sound, mm. you know. So yeah. Houston had this; they had their school. They had Booker T and UNT here. Yeah. They had their version of it that gave you Robert Glasper, Dave, um, Chris, Dave, another major drummer. Um, so I, I don't take anything away from Houston. Yeah, but it that is a big connection. Yeah, the, these two things in Texas are the reason why you have um, her, the reason why you have Lady Gaga, the reason why you love Timbaland, because mm. the drums from Timbaland were sampled from Sput. The, um, the reason why you have um, Snoop from the West Coast, the reason why you have, is so much pop artists, so all these pop artists, they couldn't get their music right. 
They sent it to Dallas. It came out right. <laughs> this is before Memphis was known as the the place to Music send all the stuff. Yeah. So it's Dallas, just, baby. Dallas, all the way, all the way. <laughs> Dallas. But yeah, man, just um, if if nobody takes anything from my babble <laughs> on all this, <laughs> um, just know that. Um, the appreciate learn Dallas musicians go out and see all of us uh, learn Dallas creatives because we we have more than just music we have some of the best actors we have some some of the best artists yeah uh, graffiti and regular art um, uh, we have some we have some of the best builders all the architecture in New York is from Dallas mm. and from Houston so it just it's so much that comes from here. There's a reason why all the corporations are moving back to Dallas. Yeah. We have everybody moving here. So, um, and then the other thing is just if you're an artist and you're listening to this podcast or you're, you're artists trying, trying to be an artist or trying to get into that realm, when you do learn to support other artists is the yes. best way it's the fastest way to get better yeah and it's also the fastest way to gain support without even trying yeah and dying empty is another thing um try your best to take everything in you write it out splurt it out even if it's an idea put it in your phone but don't leave it inside you yeah Ideas are like was another said ideas are like clouds. So it rains on you now, but it's not gonna rain on you forever. Mm. Ideas will go to somebody else. Mm. And you will be the person going, I had that same idea. Yeah. That was I've I've watched some of my songs become somebody else's idea. And obviously there was no connection. Sure, yeah. It just happened. But ideas are like spirits and I it's like a, it's like a cloud that goes over somebody. Is you catch all the rain you can and all the buckets and yeah. then you hold on to it. Yeah. But if you just let it rain on you and you think you got all the ideas in the world, you're going to forget them all. You're going to yeah. die. You're going to get sick. You can't tell nobody. You can't yeah. facilitate. You'll lose a leg or something. And all of a sudden you can't yeah. do what you need to do. Yeah. So before any of that happens or, bef you know, or the, the, the thought of that happens even makes me work harder mm. because I can it can happen any given time. Yeah. And I want to leave. I'm not trying to leave. A, eventually, I'm trying to leave a legacy. But ultimately, even if it's just breadcrumbs to what I was trying to do, I want to leave that. OK, I see where Medrick was going. I see what he was trying to do. I need to follow this path. Or I, here's his mistakes. Sure. Let me go this way because this is what Medrick was doing and it went all the way wrong. <laughs> so let me go this way. Yeah. And, but either way, I want to be a light for somebody, whether it's a light to not go that to that room or a light to go to that room. Yeah. Uh, so dying empty is just the ultimate thing. I, I, I might as well make a T-shirt of it or something because <laughs> uh, put it on me as a tattoo because it's definitely how I'm living lately. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's an awesome phrase, man. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. And hey, you inspired the hell out of me, brother. <laughs> Genuinely. Thank you, man. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, dude. Well, yeah. come back anytime, man. Anytime you need, anytime you need, and anytime I'm in town. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Getting busy. But yeah, man, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I've seen you streamed. I need to see you live. Come see me, um, Plano. Uh, I think this one is on the 18th. This uh, month? Yeah, of this month. Sweet, man. We'll be in town. Um, you'll get to see us out in the open. So it's, you know, yeah. friendly to be separated. Cool. 
uh, and it's a, it's a very good vibe out there. Awesome. Uh, we didn't think Plano was going to like try more mojo oh, yeah. sound and they love it. Oh, nice. They absolutely. So it let us know once again that we're doing more than what we think we're doing. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. Well, I look forward to seeing what happens, brother. Yeah, it's man. It's exciting. <laughs> right. So next time, man. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, visit our website, musicmythpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Goodbye.